Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Signs of Pokemon. If this is your first time, welcome! My name is Veteran Lucas and with me today are my two friends and co-hosts. We have Fisherman Don and Professor Collins. What's up guys? How's it going? Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's going, man. It's, uh, holy, you know, it, it snowed here today. <laughs> It has been like last week. Well, last last week it was like negative ten one day, and then it was sixty the next day. So right now, would you like to know the air temperature of Tampa Bay, Florida? <laughs> no, I really don't care because you guys have things like crocodiles and snakes, so I'm okay. <laughs> I found a snake at work today. I named him Chuckles, and he was adorable. <laughs> In all seriousness, guys, so welcome back to the show. Uh, this week, if you're kind of new and you're saying, wait, who's that third guy? That's Fisherman Don. Don, say hello. Hello, guys. So Don has joined us on our quest to make everybody smarter with Pokemon. And uh, yeah, you'll be hearing a lot from him. He's he's cool. Everyone, he's cool. We vouch for him. He's cool. <laughs> he's got street cred, guys. Don't worry. So on this episode, we decided since, well, me and Don are from Florida and we both like the ocean, we're going to take at least one last look for now into the ocean and talk about one of the most important ecosystems on Earth, the coral reef. I'm just a normal boy, sinking off the overboard. Sorry, you said into the ocean. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking somewhere beyond the sea or the song Ocean Man, which I could play for a hundred hours straight. I want to swim away, but don't know how. Let's see if I can. Where's the hit song button? I lost it somewhere. Sometimes I feel just like I'm falling. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get to some news. So does anyone have anything Pokemon related? Because I got something animal related. Nope. I, I don't know anything. Nope. But really? There's nothing exciting Did until we... March. I caught a shiny Halo I... in Pokemon Go. Oh, that's a thing? That's news. That's news now. That's news. He caught a shiny Halo. Everyone record that. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess there's like more What's events. What's going on with that game? Is it like doing stuff still? Yeah, I think so. Like, there's I'll have events right events. now, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's tons of events, like, getting a lot of people interested, so that's something. Again, sorry, folks, if you're looking for all the Pokemon news, we can suggest a number of podcasts for you, but that's not our thing. But, uh, we do have animal news. Not until we get Gen 8 spoilers coming out in March. Yes, no, we will be that channel who drops the Gen 8 spoilers. We will put spoiler tags on it, but, Surprise. like... Nope, nope, really? we're not going to tell you it's a spoiler. <laughs> Now you know who the villain is. Ha ha ha. Team, insert random name here. <laughs> that's that's the actual team name. Yeah, team random name. They're here to do something. <laughs> Question mark. All right, so. All right, what's, what's your news? <laughs> so in terms of animal news, uh, my um, a great co-worker of mine, Stacy, sent this to me and our friend Will from the, Sci from the um, Common Descent podcast. And she sent us this amazing article about a scientist in the United States who did this massive experiment to prove evolution's processes on a gigantic scale. This man got a field out in Nebraska. He had it all, it had sectioned off areas where he put hundreds of mice in each section. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> well, that was the problem. If by they you meant owls, then yes, owls did come and eat lots of mice. <laughs> but eventually, <laughs> They were able to get a steady population, but there were several different populations. There was one in light soil, there was one in dark soil, and there was one in like a like a mix. As they were separated, they noticed over time that 
if, if evolution wasn't existing or no change was happening, they'd all stay the same. But as they kept breeding, they started to notice that, oh, hey, the lighter colored ones are the ones from the lighter sand are getting lighter color. Ones in darker are darker. Now, for those who study evolution, this is no big deal. But this actually shows it on a larger scale. They were able to track a certain mutation in each one of them and how that mutation kept spreading throughout. So with a large enough growth sample, they were able to prove without like much of any doubt that you can show evolution on a scale that humans are able to conceive because rodents reproduce uh, let me see if i remember my math from that live episode oh right 140 offsprings from one female per year you can do quite a bit of uh genetic <laughs> they just walk out at that point yeah no it's, it's literally they're they're terrifying animals when you consider that they are the closest i believe mammals come to being bacteria <laughs> one magic carp lays 500 eggs it's a gold mine you'll be rich oh god no please i, I think we've, we've talked about this though we literally have talked in great depth about how this works the whole natural selection thing and so if, if you haven't uh our episode about amphibians with dr dean i think that was where we talked a lot about natural selection mm -hmm. no it's important like we talked about it as well in our moves episode too where it is yeah. that natural selection does play a part and it increases the chance of gene mutation it's super cool a little bit wordy but i will definitely post a link on this episode description so you guys can check it out for yourself it's a hilarious read because this guy goes into this whole thing about how it came about he literally found the plot of land for this by going to a bar and complaining to some guy how no one would give him land the most american <laughs> way to get land this is the best scientific study ever <laughs> now that that well i guess we'll call it news section out of the way let's go ahead and uh i'm sorry matt we're gonna sorry professor collins we are going to have to go back to the fish world we're going to go back. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Don and me are happy. But you know what, Professor? Here's the deal. We won't be talking about a single fish this time. No fish. <laughs> there won't be a fish. All right. So uh, hit the music. Okay. Hey, I'm going to introduce this topic tonight. So we're going to talk about coral reefs, right? Woo! Reefs. Yeah. Reefs. Is 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 the plural reefs? Reefs, just reefs. Reefs. <laughs> so, uh, uh, fisherman and veteran, since I am not as familiar with the water life as you are, uh, so what are coral reefs, and uh, why should I care? <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll field this one. So, uh, coral reefs are giant collections of individual polyps which are just tiny, tiny animals that build together together as they grow, live and die, and build on top of each other to create the absolutely monumental constructs that are the reefs, which are made mostly actually of calcium skeletons of their previously dead brethren. Piles of dead bodies living on top of each other. It, it's well, really it's like one. underneath Paris. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like the catacombs. <laughs> No, wait, 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 but legit. So these are animals. So like when people carve into them or break them off, they can feel this. I mean, feeling is one of those things where it's like they wouldn't feel it like we do, but the repair, they can feel stress and that would definitely stress them out and would also have to feel repairs. One of the things we'll talk about later is how long it takes for a coral reef to, re to repair, but they are animals and they can feel stress and please don't break coral. It's super important that you don't. If you do it, go turn yourself in, you miserable monster. How dare you? 
Okay, so so that aside, gentlemen, why are they so important? Life is the best answer I can provide for that. I'll, I'll field this Thank one. You. Thank you, Jeff Goldblum. Thank <laughs> you. Life doesn't just... Life finds a way. Life finds a way to be so important to the reef because of my favorite statistic for the reef, out of the world's oceans, 3% of the world's oceans are reefs. Out of that, out of the whole ocean, that 3% holds 25% of the ocean's biodiversity. That means that a quarter of every living thing either lives on, feeds off of, or makes pit stops at the reef in order to survive. Without the reef, it's effectively like taking every single restaurant and every single grocery store on Earth and just destroying them entirely. It's like taking every entire neighborhoods and breaking them down. These reefs are home to so much life. Every time you go to a reef, there's a chance of finding something new, something you never discovered. Cool. So, uh, fisherman, I'm gonna give you you this one. Uh, uh, so, then they they are having trouble right now, though. Correct. Correct. So, what what what's what's going on there? So, there's several different problems with the world's reefs right now um one is just outright destruction as a process of human fishing practices um nets being dragged along the reefs anchors being dropped onto the reefs can just do massive damage to something that took thousands or millions of years to be developed in the first place in addition to that we also have issues with chemical pollution that can cause either darkening of the water which kills off the symbiotic organisms that the coral needs to grow and it can also cause, which can lead to coral bleaching, which you'll see some heartbreaking pictures if you look that up, of reefs that were previously just covered in life and colors and are now just bleached completely white and dead. So, like, what can we do then to, like, not cause this? What can us average people do? So, there's a few things the average person can do. One is just to be aware of what you're putting in the ocean ideally nothing um and also be aware of where your food comes from if you're if you like to eat fish and you don't catch that fish yourself maybe take a good look and try to find out where that fish is coming from and make sure it's a place that's sustainably fishing and not damaging reefs another very important thing you can do is if you're at a reef and lucky enough to get to experience it just be incredibly careful don't touch the coral don't bump the coral for the love of God, don't break off a piece of the coral and take it home. Monsters. Just, just look at it. Can I can I say something real quick, though? Um, so I'm working uh, on my uh, my scuba diving uh, certification. Good for you. And, and Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it was a gift. I'm actually very reluctantly doing it. <laughs> no, it'll be uh, no, it's all good. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, no, it's just a very expensive hobby. And, and anyone who knows me knows that I'm cheap. <laughs> Try free diving and then. Yeah. Anyways, uh, one of the videos. Uh, this is made by Patty, the company that like owns the Monopoly. Uh, it, it said, if disoriented, grab onto something underwater, and it showed this guy grabbing onto a coral. Oh God! <laughs> do not do not do that. So back to that comment of people carving things for an entire reef to be built up. Um, minimum, it takes roughly 10,000 years, and all of human advancement of agriculture started 12,000 years ago. I literally have to restart civilization over again in order to get a small coral reef. 
The Great Barrier Reef alone took millions of years. So imagine the time scale. You, someone carving or breaking off a piece of coral does not heal away in a day. It is generations, millennia, evolution, lifetimes. Animal, animals so, evolved on that reef. So like Corsola then is just a big old lie. No, no, Corsola is one of the most fascinating Pokemon on the reef because it is the reef. So we can just jump right into Corsola. Let's just talk about Pokemon. <laughs> All right, so I'm guessing you can't start a coral reef episode in Pokemon without talking about Corsola. So let's say this out front. Uh, Corsola is a terrible Pokemon, uh, competitively speaking. It's so it's cute, though. <laughs> It's so cute and adorable, and I want to give it a hug, even though you shouldn't it's touch so corals. So awful. It, it, it's not fun to play with, it, but it wasn't even viable in Gen two or Gen three. <laughs> yes, that's true. But we're here to talk about its positives. We can bash its negatives. I mean, in like two minutes. Let me get the oh. positives first. Let's do it. So with Corsola, it should be way cooler than it is, and there should also be more than one type. There are literally thousands of species of coral on the planet, and we get one representative. Um, interestingly enough, it's staghorn coral related, which means that it's something I know a little bit about. One of the organizations I worked with, the Florida Aquarium, does a lot of research on staghorn coral, and um, it is what's known as a reef-building coral. So this is the perfect coral, if you're going to pick one, to make a coral Pokemon out of, because this Pokemon builds other corals up and makes a bigger reef out of it. They even use it to um, help create new reefs by having branches grown in labs and then dropped off in the ocean in order to just make a new reef. It's really cool. But Corsola is a relative of things like jellies. They settle on the sediment when they're born, like their zygotes are cast out in the ocean. When they settle, they produce a polyp that looks like a tiny little sea anemone. And then eventually they start to reproduce asexually. They start budding off into more polyps. And over time, as they keep budding and budding and budding, their skeletons, like, like we said earlier, pile up and then they start just getting bigger. So Corsola is like really not just one Pokemon. It's like thousands of Pokemon just all piled up to make a little face. Um, the things they got right. <laughs> That's um, gross. It is gross. Nature is gross. Get over it. <laughs> They, they do live in sunny places, like real ones, um, and they normally do that in order for their partners to survive. Normally, coral is colorless, but as they evolved over time, coral picked up a friend, uh, the zooxanthellae, the algae that live with them. That algae will bond with the anemone. It will actually live with the polyp inside, and it will give it its waste. Its waste product is oxygen. In return, the anemone gives it a place to live. With that combination of a place to live and more energy, the coral can grow vastly larger. They are going to have one specific algae species for that coral species. So that's one of the reasons why I think shiny Corsola is cool because, oh hey, it's a shiny version of it. That just means it has a different algae living on it. Uh, the one, okay. Yeah, the one thing they also got right, they gave it the regenerator ability, and that's pretty awesome. I think that's nice. And they also said that dirty water helps it lose its color and that it needs to live in clean waters to survive. So they did get that right. Now, I've said all the positives. Don, would you like to say anything negative about Corsola and how bad it is? <laughs> um, It's really good if you like dying to all the moves. 
<laughs> and um, it does get hustle as an ability, so it's doing its best. And I guess that's important. <laughs> Can I just say, like, in Gen 3, I genuinely wanted to make a competitive Corsola, and I gave it Ingrain, Aqua Ring, uh, Water Pulse, and Leftovers. <laughs> So you just heal. Just keep healing. This is Come fine. on. Just, just stand in there. You can do it. Come on. I believe in you. I don't even... What are the calcs for that, Don? How much health is he getting? <laughs> um, without anything in front of me, I'm going to say a lot. <laughs> yeah, but Corsola has such low stats. It doesn't matter. That's okay. I can do it, Coast. I believe in me. But it's, it is it is not fun competitively. I think there should be other Coral. I mean, at least a soft Coral Pokemon, because that would be like... You know, tie them together. But like, like we said, there are, there are things that depend or on like, the reef. Or like, you know, a, a new uh, region variation. Course, that would be cool. Oh, that would be really fun. Also, like, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say like maybe, you know, a rock water, but like give it a new ability, and then make it look different. Give it psychic stab and have it be a brain coral. Oh, like rock water, but with some sort of ability that also lets it have psychic. That's what I was gonna stab. say. Like it needs an ability that essentially gives it a third typing. Like That'd that steel, cool. like the anchor Pokemon Delmize. It got one of those, and it was sick. Yeah. All right, Don. What else you got? What do you got for the reef? I started with the support. Now you got you pick up the rest of them. All right. So you can't really talk about coral and their struggles in life without talking about one of their biggest predators both within the pokemon world and in the real world and that is the crown of thorn sea star Ugh. ever so elegantly modeled by everyone's favorite spiky boy toxapex oh no not the tank they're scary they are scary scariest thing one of the scariest things gen 7 ever produced no i mean like like the the uh the crown of thorns <laughs> uh, both both is both are terrifying yeah, they're like they're like the man of war. They're terrifying. So the crown of thorns sea star um, is yeah just really upsetting starfish for the first place. It doesn't really have the classic five arm sort of outline that the typical starfish does. They can actually have up to twenty one arms, which just is worse to look at. <laughs> it's not symmetrical at all. What a great number! What a great number nature picked. Blackjack. <laughs> What do I win? Do I win environmental destruction? Yes. Yay! Oh, wait, no. Oh, dang it. So why is it poison type in the game? So the Crown of Thorns Sea Star has toxins called saponins in its tissues, which are toxic to fish, but and they are carried not really in its spines, which it is completely covered with, but they're kind of in the flesh around the spines. So Ugh. if you step on one, bump one, or eat one, you're going to get the toxin. Lovely. Yep. And it can cause sharp pain and nausea that can last for over a week. And oh it has an anticoagulant effect that makes you bleed a lot more than you should from it. Thanks, nature. This thing's terrifying. Oh, one more fun part about the spines is they're also very brittle, so they'll often break off in the stab. Now, Don, <laughs> so, I, I think you it... got one other fact. <laughs> Tell them how big it is. Oh, they are far too big than they seem like they should be. They can be well over a foot wide or okay. 35 centimeters for our metric friends. This is a massive animal. This thing, it's, it's not like, oh, I stepped on a little one. You're stepping on one the size of a doormat. Oh, and that arm's going to break off and, like, get you, too. The, the spines will. But if the arm did break off, they can just grow it right back. 
with oh. their regenerator that is shared with Toxapex. Hooray! Oh. What to do to reefs? So they can enter what I've read in some places can be called like a swarm event, where they just have a population boom that's been attributed to a lot of things. And from what I've read, no one is really 100% on what each boom is caused by. And they love to eat coral, which that coupled with the fact that they have so few real predators, when there is a population boom, they can do some serious damage to the reef. Okay, so like, what can we do to stop these terrifying things? <laughs> Alright, so there's a few things we can do um, right now to try to reduce the absolute just mayhem that these starfish can wreak upon the reef. One such thing is you can really, again, make sure you know where your food comes from. One of the few real predators of the sea star is a, a large snail called the giant triton. And just don't eat them. Uh, we really need them out there eating the sea stars. Who who eats large sea snails? Who, we do. Who, Floridians. Conch is delicious. It Ew. is. But conchs are not fighting the war against the sea stars, so they're fair game. Oh, come on. No, they need, like, they take, like, 60 years to grow. They need help. But no, okay, the... can, we, can we talk about, though, my my youngest, her favorite animal? Which one? Turtle. Turtle? Oh, you want to talk about sea turtles. Well, okay. She, like, loves turtles, man. It's crazy. Like, she hated books, and she got a book for, for Christmas from one of our, our family members, and it was pets. And she she loves animals. She, she looked at the book, and she, like, fell in love with the turtle picture. So we started going to the zoo over the winter with her. And turtle, turtle, turtle this, turtle that. And we got turtle stuffed animals now, and turtle goes everywhere. Don't be surprised. A lot of kids love turtles. It's one of my favorite and animals. Shark. And what? And shark. Good kid. We went to the aquarium and shk, shk, shk. <laughs> She's a girl of very few words, but turtle and shark. <laughs> That's a, You've raised a good child. <laughs> so let's talk about sea turtles then, because there is there are two sea turtle Pokemon, Turtoga and Caracosta. Now, Tertuga is based Tertoga is based on your average typical sea turtle, whereas Caracosta is based on a leatherback sea turtle. So, I'll be honest, this is one of those Pokemon where, unlike the Crown of Thorns Sea Star Pokemon, which they did a fantastic job on, they do not know what a sea turtle is. I, I don't think I don't <laughs> think Pokemon knows what a sea turtle is. I think my the one thing I saw in it. Tortuga likes to hunt on land. Have you seen a sea turtle on land aside from laying eggs? There is only no. one instance of male sea turtles actually going back on land after they are born, and that's in Hawaii on volcanic sand, where the sand is so warm they can just toast their bellies on it, and it's super cute. But other than that, they spend their whole lives in the ocean. Like, they do not, like, do much of anything except try to survive and feed um the other thing they mentioned was that it's 100 million years old they're slightly off sea turtles are about 110 million years old but i'm not going to hold 10 million years against them but i will say that one thing that should be noted is that they did get one thing really correct about sea turtles specifically caracosta they said that they can dive a half a mile down and that is a hundred percent correct in real life Leatherback sea turtles specifically have a squishy shell that allows them to absorb nitrogen and reduce its chances of getting the bends. Any diver worth their salt knows just how dangerous yes. the bends can be. We, I just I, I just had to take a, a test about nitrogen. Yeah, they probably told you all the horrible things that can happen. Oh. Yeah. 
terrifying. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. Humans do not play well not with changing game. pressures. So, so fishermen, uh, fishermen, Don, why are we talking about turtles in coral reefs? All right, yeah. So, sea turtles are pretty migratory animals. Everyone knows the how they return to their original beach to lay. The- yeah, they surf, right? Yeah, That's just how they like get that. There. You know, they help clownfish I find their sons. Find all that good stuff. So much. <laughs> you oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> I love the movie. I hate the people who watch it. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> okay, so what, 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 why are they good for, like, what do they got to do with corals? Anyway, so coral reefs are, they don't move. If When there's a coral reef, that's where that coral reef's going to be. And yeah. if you're an animal that's migrating around, it's really good to know that you've got a consistent source of food to go to. So coral reefs serve as pit stops, in a way, for sea turtles as they migrate. And it gives them a place to kind of meet up with other turtles and when mating season rolls around. So it's like an Ohio truck stop bathroom. No, 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 no. <laughs> Ohio is still Ohio. Florida is the coral reef. Like, that's where Ohioans go to find love. Like, that's what I've learned in my experience. That makes a lot <laughs> the of one sense. thing I will say that real turtles <laughs> top this Pokemon and all others is how they find their way around. Turtles navigate the globe by tapping into the electromagnetic field of the planet. They are able. Well, and that just that just that just started to change again too. Magnetic north. Yeah, and that's stuff. but that fluctuates. That's a natural occurrence. Is one of the few things humans don't really have too much of an influence on. But that magnetic field, being able to tap into it, means you are permanently linked to the Earth's GPS system. I could take a sea turtle that has been cold stunned up near Boston, and I can take them down to Florida. I can make sure that they are okay. I can make sure they're treated and taken care of. I can release them near the Carolinas, and they will find their way back to the beach in, near Boston where they were found. They will always be able to find their way. There are some that literally traverse the globe for 30 or more years and will always remember the place that they gave birth. If I drop any given human off in any random state without a map, they will never find their way home. Ever. I, I think, <laughs> Fisherman Dom, we got time for one more of these beauties. What do you got? All right, if I can throw in one more quick turtle fact about... Go, go yes. for it. Just do it. All the turtles. So, Caracosta is also, in addition to the leatherback, the leatherback had an ancient ancestor known as uh, Archelon. Oh, God, Archelon. They're scary looking. Which is just an absolutely enormous... The largest turtle ever recorded. Just absolutely enormous. The uh, biggest skeleton they found was over 15 feet long and 13 feet flipper That's to flipper. That's bigger than an SUV! That's heavier! Just, yes. I would yes. want to ride on it. I think it could reach about 4,900 uh, pounds. So, yeah, it's it's a car. It's just... It's a, it's a big car. That's terrifying. What did... Do we even know what to eat? Did it go after jellies like the leatherback, seagrasses, people? What? So, they think from looking at kind of the muscle attachment points in the skull, they think they probably ate a lot of hard-shelled crustaceans and huh. mollusks. Just like Caracosta does. Well done, Pokemon. I'll give you points for that one. You still lose those points for saying they hunt on land, but you know what? You, you get a point. <laughs> yeah, what the? What, what, where does that come none, from? None. No turtle does that. No sea turtle does that. That's that's dumb. <laughs> it, it's not even like like if you look at it, it's like design doesn't even look like it could even walk on. Yeah, land. it kind of looks like every time yeah. it walked on land, it would be followed with a tra- soundtrack like do da 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 do da 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 do da 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 do. Just everywhere it goes. Uh, Pokemon does not understand actual evolution. No, it does not. <laughs> so as I was saying, we got time for one more Reef Pokemon. Fisherman Dodd, take us home. 
What do you got? All right, so we just covered turtles, which are known for having a shell. So we'll switch <laughs> to a, a squishier guy. And that is uh, the noble sea cucumber. Oh. Ah, Florida special. Everything's a Florida special when it comes to the reef, but pukamuka, right? That's how you, pronou- you how guys, do you pronounce this. You guys don't oh, actually. You guys don't eat this thing, do you? <laughs> China does. Oh. I've actually tried one before. Is it any good? Um, it was unique. <laughs> okay. That's how people describe Beverly. <laughs> pukumiku. Pukumuku. That's it. Pukumuku. Pukumuku. It's supposed to be almost, you know, it's supposed to be like a, a Hawaiian almost in the pronunciation, I thought. But then also the word puke. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> wow. Thanks, translators. Really appreciate that love of the culture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why are we talking about Pukumuku? All right. So Pukumuku is based on the sea cucumber, which is another... Um, another reef dwelling critter it's actually pretty widespread there's over 1700 different species of them so what is a sea cucumber for those of us who don't know (laughs) um okay so they're actually echinoderms so they're in the same family with uh sea stars and sea urchins okay um they look kind of like a cucumber (laughs) um legit Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Fisherman Don and his amazing expertise. <laughs> Round of applause, folks. This is why we pay yeah, him yeah, the nothing. Pay me for. <laughs> <laughs> they legit look. They, they don't. No, for real though, I'm asking. They look like a cucumber. They. I mean, they're kind of tubular. Some can be a little more like lopsided one way or another. If you okay. squint really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's art if you squint hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why are we talking about them? What's so, so cool about them? They are they have several really interesting kind of kind of little traits about them. So they mainly feed off just sediment on the seafloor. They go around sucking up the sand and the mud. Mm. And then feeding it back out is clean sand. Mm. And um they're actually a source of some of the world's uh sandy beaches. Actually, a lot of that comes from the cucumber poop over time. So remember that next time you dig your feet into the sand. No, it's literally the best beaches in the world are usually <laughs> ones next to reefs, which have a lot of sea cucumbers. Ergo, yeah, the best beaches very in the world. Fine white sand. Yeah, the white yeah. sandy beaches mm. you want, that's poop. That's either parrot fish poop or it's sea cucumber poop. Enjoy. <laughs> Okay, okay. So what? Tell, tell me more about them. All right, so in addition to being an important part of cleaning up the reef and doing all that, they have um one, one of the, I think, the most interesting kind yeah. of attribute that Pukamuku exhibits is their ability to regurgitate some of their organs when they're feeling threatened. Mm. No, it's, um, it's a lot more terrifying that he's making it sound. I, but, you know, keep, tell me more. Tell me more. What do they do? So if a sea cucumber is being really upset, like, you know, maybe it thinks there's a predator, or maybe there is a predator attacking it, they can kind of violently vomit up um, <laughs> sections of their organs. Um, are, they the still, are they still attached to their organs when they do this? Yes. Yes. Sometimes. And no. So okay. part of the organs are attached to the respiratory tree. They come oh. out, they stick to whatever it's attacking, and then those parts oh. attach. And they regenerate. Hooray! <laughs> liver! Ah! Effectively, yes. It, it's actually, oddly enough, it uses the same type of poison that the uh, crown of thorn sea star uses. And if those tentacles touch a human eye, it causes permanent blindness. 
fun oh. yeah so like so like are these some of the guts or is it like everything just some and like where where, where do they come out of uh you want to tell him i'm going to think on the, the proper word here just say the word he knows the anus there we go oh okay wait 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 so they squeeze it out of their anus and they have to start all over again yeah Pretty much. A new start? Uh, <laughs> what? I, I, hey, you know what? I didn't create that show. I didn't create Arrested Development. <laughs> I, uh, All right, so why are they so important on the reef? What do they do? So they serve as sort of a sort of a cleanup crew on the reef. Okay. Um, a lot of stuff dies. A lot of stuff decays, falls down into the sand, and they're an important part of keeping that that beautiful white sand that you'll see in kind of every Planet Earth documentary where you see a reef. There's the reason okay. why there's not just a lot of rotting pieces of food and dead animals on the bottom. They clean it. Huh. So they are they are essentially the vultures of the ocean. The vultures wish very slow vultures <laughs> you haven't seen vultures in a while so i think there is one other this was weird because i didn't know this but apparently you did don um apparently in the pokedex it says that they are used as sunscreen like pukamuka's mucus can be used as sunscreen and i looked it up sea cucumbers are used in cosmetics what like, I didn't know that. Apparently you did. Don, explain yourself. Um, yeah, so I, like, honestly, I can't say I personally, off the top of my head, know a whole lot. That's pretty much all I've heard about them as well. Because I kind of just Googled, like, when I read that in the Pokedex, I personally didn't believe it either. Wait, what were you trying to say? I had notes separately that I apologize for my break there in thinking. No, you're, but, you're yeah, good. Um, they found that there's some proteins in the the extracts of boiled sea cucumber that can serve as cosmetic ingredients for uh, some anti-aging medicine and for skin whitening. I mean, hey, as long as it's harvested sustainably, we shouldn't have much of a problem with it. That's that's the key word of this uh, episode. Uh, have you heard our episode on economics? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm saying hope. There are people who use the reefs. <laughs> Like, normally, naturally, I think there's a good example of that and a bad example of that. The best example that I can think of are the people who go out to the reefs and build their own and just build off that one and trying to help out those. The worst example of that actually comes off the coast of Cuba. In Cuba, their reefs are effectively untouched and unspoiled, but only because the government will kill them or throw them in jail if they mess with it. So... There's, there's got. I mean, there's got to be. A go, go Cuba. I mean, that's kind of great, actually. Uh, don't tell that to the Hernandez side of my family. They would not care for that comment. But anyway, it is. I mean, everything, everything else would be terrible. But, but at least, at least they protect the. Yeah, reef. we've actually done research with partnership to try and help it out. But I think, I think the big message about this whole episode is that the reefs are more than just a cool place to take pictures of in the Bahamas. They are living. They're a thriving organism. They are important, and we need them. We. We seriously need them. We can't survive without them. Yeah, and they help. They help do create a lot of the oxygen on Earth. Half correct? the oxygen on the planet comes from the ocean. If the ocean goes down, cool. So if you like breathing, <laughs> you might want to help protect the. Oh, reefs. that's my favorite catch line reefs. at work. If you like breathing, help the ocean. That's pretty great, actually. I, I don't think we could have ended it any better. <laughs> I agree.
That was a really good episode. I, 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 I learned a lot, actually. Some things that I didn't want to learn. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We didn't even talk about the pearl fish. Hey, kids, I'm... Google the pearl fish and the sea cucumber together. Please, it's please a fascinating please, story. Please it's don't. a wonderful story. It's fantastic. Yeah, cool. So before we give our spiel, I want to give a quick shout out. Thank you, Fisherman Don, who's been helping our team. Uh with the united podcasters pokemon league which we are uh currently competing in uh we are currently this is i think fourth week right now as we are recording this yeah yeah we are currently the only undefeated and i will say i have not played which which i'm kind of okay with but we've done some really creative team building amongst the three of us uh coming up with ideas like exploding gigalith which i think was unexpected and or you know suicide lead rebombi oh god i love that beat i love that oh, it was such a great pick i told you guys it was gonna be like the greatest pick i that told you call. i believed you it's an awesome pokemon so you know we've done great i'm pretty happy with our results and uh we're happy to be part of this because it's definitely brought us some new fans which we like hi new and- fans yeah hey thanks for uh, listening to this episode um but for those of you who've not done so yet you need to check us out on social media including facebook or twitter pokey science on facebook uh our, what's our twitter handle because i never uh, pokemon remember pokemon science at pokemon there science. you go there you go yeah uh find us shoot us a tweet um we are actually going to do two episodes this month, so we're going to record another one. Uh, do you guys want to tell them what it's going to be on? No, this is your thing. You do your thing. All right, cool. I haven't gotten to do a culture one in a while, so we're going to talk about uh, American mythology and where we find that in Pokemon. So get ready, Zapdos. I'm going to tell people what you really are. Awesome. And don't forget, guys, if you want to follow us, we are on just about every podcast platform there is, except for like <laughs> except one or two. Pot knife. Uh, what yeah. is pot knife? I don't know what it is. Don't care what it is. I'm on Spotify and I'm on SoundCloud and iTunes. Those are the three I cared about. And we also are all on YouTube as well. But in terms of just podcasting street podcast streaming, we got the good ones. May I just say, if you're thinking of starting a podcast, Spotify actually gives you really good stats. That's where I learned that a couple of my people who are watching are from Australia and Finland and Brazil. Thank you, hey, foreign friends. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Please send us, please send us authentic food to Professor Collins. I would love to try it. We're just gonna have a mail. I do not want to get. I mean, Iceland fans are probably fantastic, <laughs> but no fermented junk, please. Just, <laughs> just no. Don't try it. Why not? Not. Uh, I hear the. Yeah, I hear the smell is overwhelming. Look, look, we're me and Don are the Floridians, <laughs> and we won't even eat that. The Florida State Fair is going on, and I'll eat that stuff. <laughs> I will not touch the fermented shark. They're literally pork so, rind nachos. Nachos, baby. The shark is probably safer, honestly. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> it, might, it might actually be safer. All right. On that note, yeah, please give us a like. Send us a shout out. Um, if you have, because uh, we, we do, are going to start taking requests here for some future episodes. If you have any questions, uh, both about cultural things in Pokemon or uh, economic questions about the Pokemon world, how it would work, or even any questions about animals influencing the Pokemon world, please shoot us a message. Uh, we're going to be doing some some new stuff here in the future, too, with that. You know, we'd like to hear from you guys. So thanks for the support. Thank you guys so much, everybody. Sit. All right, we'll, we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Peace out.